All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, we're meeting today with a gentleman who I've actually spoken to a couple of times before. Uh, last year, some of you may have participated in the Biohacker DNA conference that we hosted, where we did a series of interviews. And the only person that I felt like I had to interview twice was Dr. Isaac Elias, who's here with us today. First of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, we had a great conversation that I really enjoyed. And what what a great topic. Yeah, it was awesome because I felt like there was so much, there was one thing we were meant to cover, which we're going to talk about today, uh, but it kept going and your knowledge was vast and your experience and the things that you've actually been through were amazing. So we're going to talk about a different way of looking at disease. We always talk about inflammation, inflammation, inflammation being the root, which is true for the most part, but there's this whole other side that we as health enthusiasts, biohackers, you know, clinicians don't talk about, which is the fibrosis, the other end of it. You hear about it here and there, and it's a whole other root cause. Uh, and you've dwell, you've you've dug deep into this. You've healed people. There's like stories that could only be described as miracles, from what I've heard of, the, of your work. And it's being done globally now. And luckily, you've, you've put a book out now, so everybody can also learn. First of all, before we dive into all this stuff, the foundation of this, the work you're doing, is rooted in dealing with the galactin three. So what is that for the person that's never heard that term before? So maybe even taking a step back because you mentioned inflammation. Sure. Uh, my, my book, The Survival Paradox, I finally wrote a book after decades of being asked to write a book. It really reflects a new paradigm in the understanding of health and disease. So as you mentioned, uh, we recognize the driving force of inflammation in aging and in multiple diseases, acute diseases, right? It's what makes an infection turn into sepsis and somebody having organ failure and chronic diseases. But while inflammation is a driving force, it's really not the root cause of anything. Inflammation is a response. Inflammation is the body's response right. to danger, to a problem. And what drives inflammation is our survival response. So it's really the inappropriate survival response that is the root cause of inflammation in one end, of fibrosis on the other end, and of aging, and and uh, of aging degeneration, and really having a deeper understanding is the key yeah. to opening a deeper door door to biohacking because now you're going deeper, you know. It's really interesting that even in the field of cancer, where I do a lot of work, there was a lot of interest in genomic expression. But genomic expression doesn't mean it's going to be a, pheno a phenotypic expression. Mm -hmm. We have a choice. So when we understand this, it is a it is a it it is a paradox because we are here because we had a survival response, and over multiple generations we made it. And because a survival response is so innate in us, it's automated. It has mm. to start in a fraction of a second. We can't control it. And that's exactly what happens through our autonomic, as it sounds, nervous system, through the sympathetic nervous system. Now, what's amazing is that we now recognize it beyond the initial classical understanding of the sympathetic response, which are the response with a fight response, 
which equates to inflammation, right? If we rub our okay. hands strong, we feel heat, or flight, which equates to running away, to hiding, to isolation, to creating a microenvironment, and to creating fibrosis and dysfunction. So these are very basic things, but now we recognize how the sympathetic response drives so many diseases from the gut-brain connection, from neuroinflammation affecting so many Ill illnesses, from right now from COVID patients, who is going to really, who, who is really going to turn into a long haul, who is going to die from the disease. So we have this unregulated survival response that has a very important nervous system response. But mm. we can be wired and on alert. And then we take a few deep breaths, we meditate, we relax, and slowly, slowly we shift into a parasympathetic response. And all of us can do it on one level or another. But what happened is that there is also a biochemical system that responds. And the biochemical system responds through proteins that are called alarming protein. The alarm is on, there is fire. And one of the key proteins that I've been researching for almost 30 years and made the main discovery, discovery is that blocking it will attenuate and stop inflammation and fibrosis is a protein called galactin-3. So galactin-3 is a protein that is excreted as part of a survival response, as part of an injury repair. And it responds by driving inflammation, by driving fibrosis, and by driving immune dysregulation, which are really the hallmarks mm -hmm. of inappropriate aging and the hallmarks of the issues that any biohackers really wants to address. So I understand this bad <laughs> word of inflammation that we assume to be bad. It, it actually is only bad because of our current context, meaning that inflammation is a mechanism of healing and survival, like you said, is the key Absolutely. word. And it's only that we're not now experiencing periodic acute, you know, inflammatory insults. It's chronic, everyday, ongoing. That's the difference. The difference exactly. between we have this inflammatory response, which is good for us, which helps us, which we're only supposed to experience one every once every few months when somebody cuts themselves with a knife or drops a rock exactly. on their foot. But now it's everything you deal with is causing inflammation. And it's too much. Right. Exactly. Right? So what happened? Well, you if you look at a baby. Or actually, even in utero, they did studies. If you make a cut in on the skin of a baby, it will heal without a scar, mm. because you had an inflammatory response. It was very, it was downregulated. It was stopped in the right way, and the body healed perfectly. The regenerative powers were strong enough, which is classical. Yeah. Which is really, I'm just, I just spoke for 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 a regenerative uh, medicine summit that is starting soon, and I explained this. A lot of people are interested in regeneration, but mm -hmm. to regenerate, what is regeneration? And let's talk about it a little bit later. So that's one part. But we need to be able to stop the inflammatory response, to stop the fire, because otherwise it burns everything, and that's what happened in inflammation. So, for example. We have published important studies in sepsis in animal models where we showed that when we block galactin-3 with modified citrus pectin, uh, with the galactin-3 blocker, we attenuate the sepsis response. There is no kidney damage and the animals don't die. 
So that's one, that's one part. And we showed that when patients come to the intensive care unit with sepsis, with infection in the blood, with no pre-existing kidney disease, heart disease, or cancer, their level of galactin-3 at the time of admission, when you don't detect any kidney damage, will determine who later on will get kidney damage and who will die in the intensive care. Wow. So these are dramatic. That's part of my work with therapeutic aphoridis. I'm developing a column that will remove galactin-3, you know, as part, uh, as part of this treatment. And, and I have a, I have a, in, you know, a large NIH grant to, to study it. I hope to be in the clinic in about a year. That's the small column. I'm, I don't know if it can be seen. Yeah, we can see it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's, that's, that's like medical device. That's another thing. But from our perspective, this is an extreme, but mm. the same process, Kashif, is happening every second on every cell. Yeah. And the cell on the level of inflammaging, that's what we are interested. We are not, regular doctors are looking for inflammatory markers. You can have a very subclinical inflammation that is affected by stress, mental mm -hmm. stress, emotional stress, psychological stress, toxins, heavy metals, mycotoxins, pesticides, radiation of different types, and epigenetic influences, which mm -hmm. are multi-generational. And all of these are driving us from how we feel, from how we experience our life, to the cellular level. Because when the cell feels safe, when the cell doesn't feel that it's in the survival mode, it can produce energy efficiently, right? When we are relaxed, we can breathe deep and slow and we feel better than we are very stressed. Well, when the cell gets this signal, it produces energy in a very efficient way through the mitochondria, but it's limited to how much energy it can produce because it's not in crisis. When we mm -hmm. go into a crisis survival mode, our cellular function changes, our mitochondrial function changes, and we produce energy 100 times faster just like when we sprint and we are fighting, but five, five to 6% efficiency and mm. a lot of nasty byproducts. And so this kind of effect that can come from the outside, when it's done enough, is starting to change certain pathway in the body and starts to turn on and off different genes in our body that will then will be passed to the next generation. Mm -hmm. or to our family members, or to our friends in the same time. And we all experience it. We come to a room where there's somebody with a big heart, really just, and we can feel their unconditional love and everybody just feel like we are being nourished, right? Mm -hmm. And we this experience. And we come into a room and there's a nasty, angry person <laughs> with plenty of them in the last few years. And wow, all of society is on edge. Look what's happening right now, right? It's yeah. insane. So yeah. on a global level, so we have our micro-inflammation on a mind level, on a DNA level, on a mitochondria level, on a cellular level, on a, on a person level, on a community level, and on a macro level, it's called global warming. There is mm -hmm. inflammation on a global scale, right? Mm. It's amazing because it, this concept of the health that I'm experiencing today my ancestors are partly responsible for that, whether it's good or bad. Meaning that, and you think about this, it's almost like time travel or something that's science fiction, but 
we've already understood and proven this biologically that you truly are experiencing the trauma the pain the problems of your ancestors so give us an example of that because this is something that i know is over most people's heads but how you experiencing the world today is part and parcel with how your ancestors did and you're carrying their pain and burden with you because of epigenetic expression totally so you know i've been talking about it and teaching it as part of my unique training in meditation for decades so you know decades ago people who didn't really connect with me they just thought i'm crazy you know but now that epigenetics and i talked about it not because i read about it because it was my experience through mm. meditation through through contemplation through understanding through insight and now of course it's supported because we know that epigenetically we are affected we're not only affected genetically and it's not only our ancestors people around our ancestors just like I gave the example of somebody with a big heart and everybody feels or somebody. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're in a place and there is a terrible dictator right. and you're always in stress and in danger for decades. And it's affecting. And, and even if you feel a little bit, you can contain it. People around you are freaking out and it's affecting you. You mm-hmm. are holding their pain. And now you have to support them. You have, but you have to be on alert. Certain genes get turned on. And then you pass it on to the next generation. So in my mm-hmm. book, I share the story. I'm named after my 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 grandfather Isaac, uh, and uh, he died from stomach cancer when he was 50 years old. So right. my my grandparents escaped from Poland on September 1st, literally as Hitler was coming in, mm-hmm. and some of the family who stayed was killed the same name because they lived in a small uh, tourist town that now is in Ukraine, actually. And they were like the, one of the wealthiest families, so they got killed first. So we were never... And so my grandmother, who is a survivor, lived to 98. And when mm-hmm. she died in 2007, on her grave, my mother turns around and tells us, you know, your grandfather... 10 out of 12 siblings were killed by Hitler. Only two survived. We were never told even that our own grandfather lost 10 of his siblings. Not talking about his parents, of course. Now, it was never talked. He had to stomach it in his stomach. And obviously it caused stomach cancer. But I always had this weird, very intense pain in my chest with pain in my upper back. And it's also produced scoliosis, which I overcame. And I just knew, I started meditating at the age 14, 15, and I just knew that it's really not mine. And only when I connected with it deeply through meditation and insight and psychological work and developing the ability to somaticize when we open up, how can we bring this openness into ourselves? I realized it. And I went through my own process about of acceptance or forgiveness around the Holocaust. And the pain disappeared. Now I can push here very strong. I get n- zero pain. Mm. But okay, so that's it's a nice story, a great, but interesting enough, my mother, she was a single child, was never able to watch any programs about the Holocaust. And after I went through my own healing, she suddenly was able to watch programs about the Holocaust. And I didn't tell her what I went through. I went back to the source 
of the trauma and it not only healed me, she was between my grandfather and me. So mm-hmm. she went through her own healing. Now, she didn't do what I did with it because she has different set of tools, but this is multi-generational healing. So why is this so amazing? When we connect with this understanding, when we connect with the interdependence between all of us, we understand that we have the responsibility, the gift and the possibility to affect practically countless people around us because Mm. of this interdependence. You know, we just adopted two puppies that my daughter uh, drove 400 miles to rescue. They were going to kill them and they were very traumatized and we are Mm. healing them now. But we did some genetic tests for them and we are (laughs) fighting all their cousins, you know, and we see similar traits, you know. It's similar with human beings. If we go... So some of their genes, they, they call them wolfiness, are from 15,000 years ago. Okay, Fifth, I mean, 15,000 years ago is when humans first started domesticating dogs. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So we look at our life, and we two people made us, and if you look back when children were born in earlier age for parents, we take 25 years as a generation, because if 1,500 years, it's an infinite number. Definitely 1,600 years, like the famous story about the grain of, of wheat and the person who developed the, 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 the chess, where he gave it to the Persian sh- a king, emperor, and he said, what can I give you? He says, just give me one grain of wheat on the first one and two and four mm-hmm. and eight. And he had to kill him. There wasn't enough grains in the whole earth. But in this sense, we are made from countless people. So that's why there is an independence, an interdependence between us. This multi-generational thing is big. Yeah. You know, I always say, imagine we had millions of people meditating in the same moment and feeling that they're opening their heart to each other. They drop their belief systems. Yeah. Drop and this has judgment. been done. It's been studied. It's been proven. It's, it's hard exactly. for people to swallow and digest and like how is this even possible it's science like it's, it's, it's science. So science quantum physics talks about exactly uh quantum entanglement right you came from your mother physically right, right? right. and meaning that a piece of her and a piece of your father created the original piece of you right and we already know quantum physics says in quantum entanglement when you take two cells apart and they split and they turn into two separate entities that they are still in this field that we still don't understand connected, meaning that if something is experienced here, it's instantaneously experienced over here, regardless of how far apart they are. And now now think about this. You came for your mother, meaning these these cells split to the point where you become different beings, but those cells are still entangled. But the relationship between mother and child is probably the closest entanglement we have, which is why it's so easy to sort of access and an experience you know mom's like i'm worried i'm going to give my daughter a call and daughter's actually having a problem how did that happen exactly your 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 uncle dreamt about you it's another layer you're one step away now from the mother and then it gets another step but we all came for the same thing what was it it was a big bang originally a single needle head that exploded into all of what we are so quantum entanglement is true we're all the same so anyways i just wanted to point this out because some people hearing it might say Okay, Dr. Elias, everything sounded good, but now you lost me. Because how did you heal yourself healing your mother? Did you build a time machine? No. It's because intercellularly, 
we think about ourselves as separate entities, but the cell that came from the cell is still entangled to the cell and still communicating back to it. And when you do something so impactful and powerful as healing trauma that came from a prior generation through epigenetic expression, you literally erase it from that generation also. Because the cells well, are entangled. From now on, I'm going to have you explain. This is <laughs> is perfect explanation. Now, why is this important? Because on a very biochemical supplement lifestyle, we talked about Galactin 3 and blocking it with, with Spectosol, modifying it with Spectin, but we also talk about the fact that when we become less in a survival mode, right. genes, genes start to unwind. But certain people who have, and I met such people in my life, who have a greater capacity to hold bigger spaces, you would say their quantum entanglement capacity is bigger. Mm. It can be in many places in different times. They, are, they have a bigger mind, you know? Right. Such people will have more effect on more people at a given right. time. But in the same time, often people say, who is the best person to do healing for us? Or people who believe in prayer, pray for us. They say, oh, there's this great person. Well, people who are really close to you, they are usually the most powerful because their quantum entanglement is much closer. It has a stronger physical link. But mm. often, you know, you will hear from people who, who are great meditation teachers and students just had dreams about them and they've never met them. They've never heard about them, right? Right. So the same way to really go out there, it is, you know, we are being interviewed, as a big, I don't know when it will air, but we're interviewed in the beginning of the year. You know, so often, often, you know, there is power to this approach and really what it does it opens the door to limitless possibilities because everything is changing all the time yeah you, you remind me of a story that puts us like makes us real there's a study that was being done on random number generators using that to prove that we actually can affect this field through energy through our thoughts we can actually can change physical objects and so the thinking was that if we get enough people thinking about something, that the randomness, that chaos of the random number generator will, will find some kind of equilibrium and the randomness will disappear. So they tried this and they tried this and they tried this. And at the point came where the random numbers started to speak in a very specific pattern that was completely not random, right. very purple, very purposeful pattern. And like, wow, what just happened? We did something right. So what was happening in that moment when that happened? O.J. Simpson's trial verdict, where there was over a billion people watching the same thing, wondering guilty or innocent, guilty or innocent, guilty or innocent, guilty. And everybody was thinking about the same thing at the same time. And in that moment, that machine that was jurisdictionally nowhere near most of these people wow. started producing numbers in a very sequential order and very purposefully mm -hmm. and when it was over it went back to random how do you explain that we, yeah, we know, can't it's the same it. thing right where you get certain societies certain religions people start behaving in a similar way they start talking in a similar right. way because things are not as random so part of freedom is is allowing the randomness to stay fresh that's really the ultimate meditation the ultimate meditation is when everything is random all the time which means whatever arises 
when you recognize that it's impermanent, it's going to change and you don't hold to it, mm-hmm. you allow the randomness. Now, this randomness has, this is amazing what you're saying. I, can, I, don't, I, don't, I can easily go somewhere. With this, <laughs> but this is one of the big secrets to healing. You say, Isaac, what are you talking about? Well, when we are very focused healers, some people are very powerful energetic healers, they can transmit energy. They are, they are, they are I'm using your language, they are manipulating the randomness into a certain direction. Right. And sending it in a certain direction. And that's one way of healing. I call it conceptual healing. It's powerful, but it's somebody doing something to someone else. It's limited because it's linear mm-hmm. in the direction. When you have a real when you can hold things in a truly random way, as you just said, it's random. Everything is possible. We are right. Everybody agrees. You agree with me. But if we are trained in the same time to be connected with our heart, which is flowing all the time, but, it, but in principle, it gives nourishment, love, and compassion all the time. Now our randomness is suffused with the quality of healing. Mm-hmm. And then we can take this randomness and we can channel it into healing while we are staying random. And this is the combination of effortlessness with an intention. Very, and then in, in a in philosophical system, we will call it enlightened intent. Mm-hmm. It's not enlightened because the person is enlightened. It's enlightened because it's coming from a place of everything is possible. There is no judgment, but there is an inner interconnectivity, the quantum entanglement, exactly yeah. what we talked about. Yeah, and so that's if you, really ultimate healing, is that's where spontaneous healing happens. It makes sense because if you're if you believe in if you allow belief to accept everything, then anything that's possible can come to you. Right. Meaning that the the options that you didn't think were there, totally. If you if, yeah, if you're very close-minded in your thinking, then you, you may not allow those things to come to you. So that's it makes sense. The randomness equals kind of these tentacles going out and finding solutions that possibly weren't there if you didn't think that random. And then going so, back, what happened when you go into survival mode, sympathetic mm-hmm. system? Our pupils become da- right. We look very very carefully. We become right. narrow, narrow yes. vision, tunnel vision. We are focused on on certain things. We are the anti-randomness state of mind. We are totally focused on one thing. We don't see any more other things. And that's part of the alert system that saves us, but takes us out of this nourishing, endless possibilities. So the journey of healing is going back into this state. On if we talked about galactin 3 as a protein. Yeah. And, you know, and but in the same time. The other part of my life when I probably spent even more time is just using meditation and connection with the mind and the heart to really get to the space. And they both affect each other because when the heart is open, when everything is flowing, there is no heat accumulation. There is no stasis. There is no inflammation. There is definitely not fibrosis. Fibrosis is hardness in a place where it's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So, when we connect with our heart, we connect with ongoing flow. The moment the heart stops flowing, we're dead. Yeah. So I know that, so you've been talking about some of the tools you use, meditation and intergenerational healing, which is awesome if you can actually get there. 
you also found some natural supplements that actually can help break down and allow for that healing. And I think you've been focusing on something called pectisol. Is that right? Yeah. So what is the mechanism? What what does it actually do that's different and unique compared to everything else out there? So pectisol is a, a modification of citrus pectin. Pectin is, the, is, is present in the inside of the citrus fruit, in the white parts, and it's a long chain of a carbohydrate called galacturonic acid. It doesn't get absorbed, but it can absorb some toxins uh, in the gut, even some cholesterol. It has, it has some health benefits. When we modify to a very specific structure, it gets absorbed into the bloodstream, and it blocks galactin-3. Galactin-3, how does galactin-3 function? It is like the bus that takes inflammatory compound, hyperviscosity compound, sticky compounds that stick cancer cells together, uh, compounds that will, will disrupt the immune system, and it delivers them. They bind, because many of such compounds, ligands, have a carbohydrate. They bind to galactin-3. Galactin-3 takes them to the area of inflammation, then 5-galactin-3 binds together to a lattice formation. They create a coating, or they bind to the cell membrane through different receptors, and they disrupt the metabolism and genetic expression of the cell. So when, <clears throat> when you disrupt it with pectosol, with modified citrus pectin, this lattice formation falls away. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, suddenly there is no... There's no isolation, there's no separation, there's no inflammation, and you get attenuation of the condition. So we showed the effect of modified citrus pectin in sepsis, but we also showed the effect in biochemical relapse of prostate cancer and in cardiovascular diseases. There are about 80 published papers on pectosol. There's a lot of research. It's much bigger than me on the whole field. So is this something that somebody takes as an acute response to a problem like a prostate relapse, or is it more like a daily regimen to maintain a certain terrain head to toe, or what, what is it you for? You know, being in this field for almost 40 years and in finding and just making some of, a few very important discoveries, modified citrus pectin is the most important supplement someone can take because galactin-3 is going to affect aging, and disease in every single person in different levels. And as we age, it becomes more critical. But blocking galactin-3 and also modified citrus pectin, and I published a number of papers showing that pectosol can bind and chelate heavy metals and toxins. Mercury, uh, uh, uranium even, you know, multiple heavy metals, uh, cadmium, nickel, so it also clears toxins from the system and it also regulates the immune response. When someone has a high level of galactin-3, for example, they will not respond as well to immunotherapy in cancer. So it's a very, it's a foundational supplement that you can take other supplements with. You can, you know, you can integrate into your diet, into your lifestyle. So the more we have health issues, the higher the dose we need. So the optimal dose that has been researched is 15 grams a day. But if somebody is very healthy and, you know, in in a great shape and there's no markers of inflammation, then five grams a day may be be enough for them that you can use it in powder, in capsules, you know. But it's really, it's a foundational supplement because it addresses this uncontrolled survival paradox. 
And from what I understood from your work and in your book, uh, kind of a metaphor, it's kind of like there's a capsule forming around the cell or the site, and you're kind of chipping away and breaking away. Hey, what what, are the, what other supplements are you taking that aren't even being delivered to the location that you exactly. thought that they're meant to be, right? Exactly. And, and it's, it's not really a metaphor. That's what happens. It okay. creates a micro environment. You know, people talk about biofilm, people, for example, in the gut. Well, arteriosclerosis is also a biofilm. If you have it, if galactin-3 will disrupt the blood-brain barrier, mm-hmm. so larger molecules come into the brain, it will, it will instigate chronic inflammation, glial activation in the brain, causing inflammation of the brain. Alzheimer plaque has 10 to 20 times higher concentration of galactin-3 compared to normal brain tissue. So that's wow. one, com- one component which is essential and into it, we put other supplements and lifestyle and diet and our state of mind, our state of heart. We all have moments when we are in a great state of mind and yeah. moments when we are not. I do, you do, everybody does. But we always have a choice with the next breath, with the next thought to change it. Yeah, that's um, something we just said the other day. You know, uh, New Year's, you know, it just happened. And somebody asked me, what's the one thing you would say? And just it all, immediate, every single choice you make changes your future. Totally. Every time you make a choice to talk to somebody, to eat something, to breathe something, you've just decided to change your future. And believe okay. it or not, just to make it a little bit more complicated, to change your past. And that's, actually, yeah. <laughs> that's And that's the story, right? I went back to a trauma that happened a long right. time ago. And then it pro- it projected into the future, mm. into my mother. And there are many, you know, there are studies, of course, showing it, not like I discovered something, okay? So we have to understand this is the interdependence because we know yeah. time doesn't only go forward, time also goes backward. Yep. It's just harder for us to, to comprehend it. But once we're at the total relaxation, then of course things don't go just in one direction. They go in every yeah. direction, yeah. time and space. So... That's why it is so amazing, right? I mean, what, 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 what you're doing, I mean, uh, the whole approach of biohacking is, is amazing. You know, as long, as long as we keep open-minded and we don't get locked into, oh, there's only one solution or one way to go. Yeah, you're, what you're saying about time, uh, people have to realize that consciousness is just like any other human trait where you have to exercise it to experience a higher level of it. So it's not just we innately are all the same in how we experience the world. The people that meditate, that connect, that pray, that treat their body well, that have healthy DNA and healthy cells, experience a level of consciousness that those sitting and smoking and eating Doritos and not moving and having high levels of stress and hating their life won't experience. Right. Because the the receptors, the mitochondria, the DNA, exactly. the brain, the heart, <laughs> all need to have that environment and the belief to even connect in the first place. So that speaks to something like the ability to experience time differently, truly. And this is, again, this is not a theory. This is proven science, the way time actually operates. If you It's really important. It. It's not like a judgment. It's just that if we live life that is more toxic, yeah, the body to survive, see, we go back to the same place. The body to survive has to put more filters, right? Because if mm-hmm. out of 10 particles, nine are toxic, it can it has to keep nine particles out mm-hmm. so we experience less yeah when we are in a place where our body is in better shape and what we experience on all level is more is less toxic less damaging 
we can let go of our filters. We can open up. Yeah. We can have better circulation. We can have better insight. It's amazing. And you never know when it's going to happen. Certain people, I'm not included in them, have great opening and they get insights very, very easily. Certain mm -hmm. people have to work hard at it. Like that's, this is my story. And it depends, what does it depend on? On our genetics and epigenetics. How, what road we took to get to where we are now. For sure, yeah. But uh, it's, it's uh, and when we look at ancient cultures, you know, we look at, 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 you know, at Asian cultures talking about karma, you know, from a, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's, if it's Hinduism or Buddhism, right? That we come with a certain, certain thing that we got and we can change it. In, in Judaism, there's a beautiful saying in Hebrew, which means your ancestor ate unripe fruit and your teeth are going to decay and change color. That's yeah. totally epigenetic, right? Yeah. So it was known in different language, in multiple cultures that were, you know, far apart. And uh, both because they somehow communicated and because of quantum entanglement, like, like, yeah. like you mentioned. So this knowledge is there. And one fascinating thing is of the, with the world right now is that uh, with one thing with, with global connection is that we're able to be connected to things that in the past we were not connected to, but it's very important also to remember, you know, we here we are talking and we, you know, we're in the United States and, you know, and we live a good, a good life condition. When we have a judgment of other people that we are better than other people, we lose all this randomness right there, mm. right? Yeah. That's like the example you gave. So just staying humble. Uh, and one simple way to do it is just to tell ourselves, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. What if I'm wrong? You know, that's like a real important thing that I, I try to, to, to remind myself and just, there may be a different opinion. Yeah. They try to keep the mind as flexible as we can. And as a result, the body will also stay as flexible as it can. Yeah. That's beautiful because that sense of accountability is really the opposite of entitlement. It allows you to live a humble life and have gratitude, which is so important for ongoing longevity and health. Uh, so it's an important way to think. Um, in terms of galactin-3, I know we've been talking about it as something the body produces in excessive amounts as a reaction to, say, infl inflammatory insults. Are there other habits we should think about that here's the behaviors you want to avoid because this is where you see elevated levels that you don't want? Yeah, of course. So anything that scars us, anything that affects our flow. So obviously the same thing that happens with, that helps with so many diseases, you know, sleep is a regenerative time. So if we get time, if we don't have enough sleep, the body goes into stress. It doesn't have enough regeneration time. It has to go into survival, just to manage uh, being under stress all the time. And for people who have a choice, doing things that we really don't like, you know, they find that people who work very hard, like in a stressful environment, yeah. but they do something they love, yeah. their effect on the body is like they are relaxing on the beach. Yeah. Because it comes from the heart, there is a flow, there is a nourishment. And of course, allowing the same thing with our, with our body, with our diets, and one of the things that is becoming very popular is, is intermittent fasting. 
intermittent fasting allows our cells to regenerate, to go into autophagy, to clean up the mess. You know, so when we sleep, we have a deep regenerative process because we really don't understand what's going on in the brain. We understand a tiny amount of the brain. And when we don't eat, the cell has time for cleanup. Mm. And the gut has time for cleanup. The mind has time for cleanup. So, and then remembering to breathe. And in the breathing is not only remembering to inhale, but really remembering to exhale, to let go. Yeah. Because the one thing that keeps us flowing is the breath. So the thing that flow in our body is our heart that we don't have as much control over and our breath that we have more control over. Mm -hmm. So because we have control over the breath, you see breath work in so many traditions and so many healing systems, right? Because it creates a flow, it creates a letting go, it creates a rhythm. And once there is rhythm, there is less turbulence, mm -hmm. there's less stasis, there's less inflammation, there's less fibrosis. And within the breath, it's when we exhale, we connect with the natural tendency of the lungs. If we paralyze the lungs, it will exhale and empty itself out. We need to make effort to inhale. So when we exhale, there's a natural process of letting go. And at the end of the exhalation, before we inhale, there is a small space where there's a true letting go. So the same letting go happens between our thoughts. Mm. But it's very hard to recognize it because we are trained that one thought goes after another thought, then we fall asleep, we kind of lose consciousness, we wake up <laughs> in the morning and we are back. But so the breath becomes a tool for us to let go of the mind. And then instead of getting caught in our thought, we use the breath again to bring us to focus. You know, that's the importance of mindfulness as the first step. I'm going back to what you said about the randomness. It's a great example. So we separate between thinking and not thinking. We accept that when we are thinking, we get lost in the thought. And then there's a gap between thought that is quiet, right? It's very common, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, there is no randomness there because we have two very distinct states. So actually the same letting go happens when we think. Mm -hmm. The same letting go happens when we talk, when we do. When we can start recognizing it, which is very, very rare, you know, in uh, you would, some people will refer it, this as a divine part within us, you know, like we, people will say, like, listen to their Christians, we are, right, the Bible says we are made in the image of God. We have this quality of freedom within us. When we recognize it and we translate it into our life, this is where doing and undoing comes together. Mm -hmm. And this is what I referred to earlier on about connecting with our heart. Our heart is the organ that allows us to make this connection. And as such, when we, as such, the expression of this quality is unconditional innate love mm -hmm. is not easy to come by it's different than a parent loving a child which is unconditional to the child but it may not be unconditional to another child who beat up your own child you know unconditional is unconditional mm -hmm. the heart has these properties 
So we are built physiologically. You probably don't have time to go over it today, but I went over it in the interview. We are physiologically built. Every organ, every cell in our body wants to take nourishment and let's go of what it doesn't want. That's survival. Mm-hmm. The heart takes all the junk from everybody else, right? All the dirty blood, connects with the universe through the breath and gives us clean blood without judgment. And only once it gives clean blood, it relaxes. The coronary arteries outside of the heart open up and the heart nourishes itself. Mm. That's the selflessness of the heart. Amazing, right? That is so truly we have incredible. It, we, have it, we have it in our body. That's our yeah. central. It's the one organ we can't do without, right? It's uh, <laughs> this little miracle sitting inside us that you don't think about because it's the exactly, one thing that you don't have to think about. It goes physiologically, on its, it's doing it. It's, because it's doing it. It's doing yeah. it physiologically. It's easier to connect with this mentally, visually, and spiritually because yeah. it's real. It's much harder to get the mind to stop running all the time because the mind is built to stop and analyze, right? The mind yeah. is not built to create a flow. That's yeah. why it's so hard, right? But the heart flows all the time. Yeah, and the way, the, like everything you just said in these past couple of minutes, um, explains what we know about the heart and really we have people think of our brain as being where our thinking happens we actually have three brains we have our brain in our head our heart and our gut these are the three areas where we have neural cells your heart has 40 million neural cells it's a it's a mini brain and that's why it can operate on its own and it doesn't need a brain to tell it what to do it has its own so the difference is here up here at top, the head is where we have logic, like actual thought. There's words that you process and you decide. Here in your heart, it's more emotion, right? You're you're still thinking, you're still making decisions, but through connection, through you know, impact outwardly, not just to yourself. Then your gut is that intuition. Like I have that gut feeling. Right. There's a reason why we say that because it is a gut feeling. Your gut is thinking and telling you something. It's just in a completely different language. It's in a language of intuition, which we discount because, again, it goes to foo-foo science. But no, that's your body telling you something. So the more, and what's amazing about what you said, you kept saying things like let go or remove the thought, the things in between. That's all where the logic stops and the emotion starts. And if you truly are connected at that level, you'll probably make better decisions that are more mature, longer lasting, more impactful that aren't impulsive, that aren't based out of fear, that are based out of like true, whatever's beautiful for everybody around you, if you're thinking with your heart. And that's what this higher level of consciousness we're talking about is trying to get you to. Now, this is beautiful, really, what you're saying. And it's so true. There is a stage in life when one practices this, that the thinking and the talking comes from the heart, you know, and the, uh, when I'm talking to you and I'm thinking, I feel it here. I, do, I don't right. feel it here. It, it yeah. took decades and decades and decades, and I, it's not that I don't lose it, but it's so true because our survival response is reactive. Yeah. Our heart response is responsive. All that we don't want comes to the heart, the heart connected with the universe, and it responds with love, compassion, and nourishment. And that's really that's really our life's journey. That's that's true biohacking. That's really yeah. the immortality from the point of view of connecting with something that is beginningless. 
mm. and endless, right? Because it's always moving. And uh, no more immortality is not that we're going to physically live forever. It's connecting with this higher level. So now I know there's a lot of interest in microdosing and psychedelics and just how can we change our state of mind? And in the same time, we got our most powerful tool right here and the electromagnetic right. field of the heart is 100 times bigger than the electromagnetic field of the brain. People are not <laughs> aware. So yeah. what we feel here is getting to every cell in our body and to people around us all the time. So now I think people can understand why we needed to interviews last time like I, we just got started and we're already done <laughs> so, <laughs> this could go on for a long time so you know th this is an amazing conversation it feel, literally feels like we just started um there's so much more to talk about so we'll probably you know connect again to continue uh, the conversation i'd love to uh, how do people get the books i'm sure people are going to be curious about how to learn more so about the, the, body book, the book is called the the survival paradox they can find it on amazon okay and they can also go to drelias.com and uh, and join you know join 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 my newsletter and uh, where I share a lot of my thoughts and I have a really good uh, team of researchers and writers that have been working with me some of them for twenty years wow well they really know me and uh, <laughs> we put out uh, we put out uh, quality information and I think since it's the beginning of the year it's it's important to remember because everything is changeable. One of my favorite saying is not everybody is going to be a miracle, but anyone can be a miracle. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, that's something to aspire to for sure. Uh, well, I wanted to thank you. This was awesome. And we definitely have to do this again sometime soon and finish the conversation. There's more to talk about. Uh, but thank you, everybody. Take a look at the book. It's amazing. You're going to just be able to dive in at a higher level of detail about the things we've been talking about uh, and get to better health. So thank you again for joining us. This was great. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. You too.